I'm Brian Lord, and this is the Kid Lit Studio Podcast. I'm a veteran interviewer, but a Kid Lit newbie, and I want to learn how to be a successful children's author. Rather than reinvent the wheel, I'm asking experienced Kid Lit writers, illustrators, agents, and more to share their stories, failures, successes, and advice with me and you. Make sure to subscribe to the Kid Lit Studio Podcast so you can learn how to be more successful too. Hi, I'm Brian Lord, and this is the Kid Lit Studio Podcast. Uh, my guest today is Brooks Benjamin. Um, Brooks is the author of My Seventh Grade Life in Tights, which I think you can see right here. He's a fifth grade teacher at the same school as his wife, which is very convenient for both of them. But his career highlight was founding a New Kids on the Block tribute dance group when he was in the sixth grade. He's also a fellow member of SCBWI Mid-South. Brooks, thanks for coming on and doing the podcast. Thanks for having me on. I really do appreciate it. It's always good to see you however I can, online, real life, telepathically, whatever. <laughs> All that's good. Well, I, well, I always want to make sure my guests feel welcome and special. So for last, we had Alicia Kapik, who is a fantasy writer. We had a dragon. So we do have uh, your book right here behind us. Also, you know, your book focuses on like dance and football and some other stuff. Um, and so I dug up this. This is, so my wife got this for me. My football number was 20. And, um, and I was also in show choir. I cannot find any show choir pictures, but I did find some pretty sweet stuff. Do you still have all your new kids on the block stuff? I have a little bit. Actually, I have some that um, a librarian gave me. Uh -huh. um, just I went to a, <laughs> an event. My, a librarian was like, I have to give you these. These are new kids on the block, like trading cards oh, hanging and tough. buttons. And I was like, he was like, do you want them? I think you should have them. I was like, yes, I want them. There's the button right there. You don't that get cooler than that. That's, that's cool. Which new kid <laughs> were you? Um, whichever one danced the worst and um, <laughs> showed the least amount of skin. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. And the other I'm not thing sure too, who that was. So I, I, for football too, I was digging around and I found this. I literally did not know I had this till 15 minutes ago, but I've actually got a football jersey, which I'm going to wear to kind of put everything in here. Awesome. So. This is, uh, this is my, uh, like a football jersey, which is so kind of crazy, but that's perfect. I just found it as I was hunting for anything to do with new kids on the block. I'm pretty sure we have a 98 degree CD somewhere, but I think this is it a really is a new kids on the block jersey. No, this is a, this is an actual football jersey. So you've got, oh, okay. you know, you've got football, you've got uh, karate in your bikes. You have tights. Got some new kids on. Yeah, I got my seventh grade oh. life in tights. Tights. That is awesome. And the, the pants leg is a different color. That is, yeah. oh my goodness. That <laughs> so it is says amazing. my seventh grade life in tights down one leg. And it has kind of the tagline on the, the other leg here. Where oh, live it. Goodness. Work it, bring it. Did so. you put more work into that or the book? Um, I'm going to say it's about 50-50. When I wasn't <laughs> writing, I was designing. So <laughs> that is awesome. Um, my editor loved me for it. She was like, this is brilliant. Absolutely. If the book doesn't pan out, you can be a fashion designer. And, <laughs> oh, know, that's awesome. I have that avenue I could go down. I know. Or the hair thing. I know right now we're recording this in April of 2020 and no one's gotten a haircut in a good while, but yeah, I think you're pulling off really well. That's an exceptional haircut right there. Oh, thank you. It's not a haircut. It's uh, just my hair does what it wants to do. And yeah. Um, you know, there's no bargaining with it. There's no talking any <laughs> sense into it. 
I wake up and it tells me what the style is going to be that day. And today it's this. I don't, I don't know what the style is. It's uh, Seth Rogen cash. <laughs> Seth <laughs> Rogen cash. Awesome. Well, cool. So, uh, so for those of you who are tuning in for the very first time here, basically the idea of this is that I'm a, a newbie writer and I want to learn as much as I can from people who've gone on, been, been successful before me and that I want others uh, to learn along the way. So uh, today, uh, you know, what we want to focus on kind of like your journey, uh, your process of how you do this, kind of the business stuff that a lot of people wouldn't know initially. Uh, so how did you really get your start into writing? Um, you know, a lot of writers, they'll say, oh, I've wanted to be a writer since I was three years old. And as soon as I could pick up a pencil, I was crafting stories. I was not like that. I wanted to be um, a magician uh, until I was like 13, <laughs> maybe 16. I don't know. I wanted to be like a stage magician. And I thought that was the coolest thing. Um, I did not really get into writing seriously until college. Really? Um, and that was screenplays, short stories, never any books um, or manuscripts, I guess. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I got a job as a teacher. We had um, a college professor come to our school one day. And she had this program that was all about making connections, kids making connections to picture books. And what you do is you read them a picture book and they make connections to it, either book to book connections or their, their personal life to the book connections. And the whole idea is, you know, you get them making connections and those kids that make book to book connections, you go with those books and you read those next and you just kind of introduce them to all sorts of different stories. Long story, even longer. Um, she had us like do this activity one day and I don't know why she did it, but she gave us all these little journals and she said, okay, I want everyone to write, just write a scene of any story. It could be a story you made up. It could be a, a you know, a rewrite of a scene from your favorite book, favorite movie, just write a scene. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll write a scene about uh, first day of school, a kid who's nervous, but a teacher who's just as nervous. And it's going to be kind of going back and forth between them. And I started writing, I had dialogue and action stuff. And, you know, she gave us like 15 minutes to do it and didn't get finished. But while I was doing that, I was like, man, this is really cool. I never sat down and wrote dialogue and kind of had characters planned out with, you know, the descriptions of their clothing and trying to really flesh out the descriptions because, you know, with screenplays, it's just, you know, so-and-so walks in, they're wearing a hat, they look angry. <laughs> um, but with this, you know, it gave me a lot more space to kind of explore some of that stuff. And I thought, man, I really love it. So I went home that night and I told my wife, I was like, I'm gonna write a book. She's like, okay. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna write a book. So I sat down and I wrote the very first chapter of a book and I was like, oh my gosh, I did it. I wrote a chapter. I'm going to write a book. And I finished that book, had no idea what I was doing. Um, the book, that draft was horrible. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Looking back at it now at the point, at that time, I thought it was, you know, just amazing. Like JK Rowling would look at it and be like, Oh my God, this is so good. Oh my <laughs> God. You know? um, spot on uh, impersonation. I'm sure. I was thinking um, I, I lost myself in the, in the moment there. So <laughs> I know she's one of your viewers and I'm afraid she's going to watch this and like decide not to watch anymore saying like, if that's the kind of guest you're going to have on there, I'm not ever going to watch again. No. Never going to subscribe. <laughs> Um, I got off track. This is what quarantine does to people. Gives you wild <laughs> hair and poo brain. Um, yes. Oh yeah. So I went to this college professor and I was like, 
had the manuscript like on, you know, a thumb drive or something. I was like, I wrote a book. I wrote a book. What do I do now? And she's like, I, I teach college. I don't know what you do. I was like, I guess you find a publisher. I was like, how do I find publishers? I was asking her all these questions and she was like, I don't really know how to help you. You know, she's into like the, the library section of academics, not really mm -hmm. into the publishing and got on Twitter, started, you know, trying to seek out other writers. And I met several other writers. One was Gail Nall, who is uh, a Mid-Souther as well. Mm -hmm. And she was like, hey, we're not too far apart. Um, we have this event going on in Nashville every uh, fall. You should come. It's a writing workshop. You can meet a bunch of people. And I was like, awesome. I'm going to ask one of them how to get published. <laughs> so I went down to or went over to Nashville, the SCBWI Mid-South Conference, met a bunch of people. And that was the point when I realized I know nothing about publishing. I was the Jon Snow of publishing. I, I knew nothing about it. Everything was new to me. I didn't know the difference between like a chapter book, young adult, adult book, whatever. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what kind of book I had. Um, so circling back to your question, which I, <laughs> I believe was <laughs> something about how you got started. Mm -hmm. um, I want to say making every mistake possible while writing and finally meeting some writers who knew what they were doing, or at least fate mm -hmm. that they knew what they were doing enough for me to go, okay, I need to sit down and learn from you. Of course, all the people I met at, at the conference were great and they knew what they were doing. And, um, you know, Kristen Tubb and, and Gail and so many of the others that I met were so helpful. And they said, all right, let's get you into some of these conferences and sit you down and just introduce you to what publishing is, how it works, the different types of publishing, and we'll go from there. And, you know, the rest is history. It's, uh, it was a fun journey. It was, I thought like, you know, I was just going to like hand somebody a thumb drive and be like, I wrote a book. You want to publish it <laughs> over there in Scholastic? You want this? You want to publish yeah. it? It's not how it works. <laughs> how did you uh settle on this uh this book um on this one this was actually the second book i wrote mm -hmm. the first one like i said did not it never saw the light of day um which is probably a good idea good thing um i was with another critique group and i had i'd finished this first book and you know they kind of mixed feelings about it and i thought i don't know what to write about now you know i poured everything out in that first book I'm dry and I'm, I'm an empty well. I'm, I'm all used up. I'm a hack. Um, and they were like, well, do you like writing for kids? I was like, I love that best. Cause that's what I teach. They're like, well, think of something embarrassing that happened to you. Like when you were a kid, like when you were 10, 11, 12, what's the most embarrassing thing that happened to you? And immediately I thought of, Oh, it was when I was a dancer and a dance crew that danced to new kids on the block exclusively. <laughs> and I thought I was going to be the coolest middle schooler ever but it turns out middle schoolers really don't think that groups that, you know, get together who can't dance and then want to join the talent show as a dance group aren't that cool. They really don't have a whole lot of respect for them. So I was like, that's, that's what I need to write about. You know, the trials and tribulation of a wannabe hip hop dancer in the rural South. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So kind of switching over to your process, like if, if somebody were to come to you, so you're, you know, talking to somebody who was you before you went to your first one, what does a writer's day look like at least for you? For me, it is, um, early in the morning. I wake up before my wife just because I need 
before I do anything else, before I do any other thinking, I have to sit down in front of my laptop and, and write. Um, I found that the closer I write to when I'm sleepy, the easier it is for me to kind of churn out some words. And I've read a lot of research about that. Like if, you know, there's the closer you are connected to that, more closely you're connected to that dream state, the easier it is for you to kind of filter past a lot of that anxiety and fear that every single writer, I'm sure you've experienced where you write something, you're like, no, this isn't good enough to leave, you know, and I have the same problem. But when you're asleep, I think the anxiety, or when you're not, when you're just woken up, your anxiety is a little bit more lethargic than normal. So you can get words past it a little bit quicker. And it's still kind of like, what are we doing? What are you doing? Are you writing? Let me wake up. But you know, you're just like, no, never going to wake up. I'm going to write before you get a chance to wake up. Um, So yeah, my day is early, early morning writing with coffee, uh, black coffee, flavored coffee. Um, and trying my best to stay off of Twitter, <laughs> which is really hard to do. Um, that's, that's definitely something I need to work on. But, and after that it's school, it's school and teaching and kids. And I come back and it's eating maybe some exercise. <laughs> um, and then no more writing. It's for me, uh, my life is an hour a day and that's my writing. I write for between like 5.30 and 6.30 and that's it. So from the business side of things, um, you know, you were talking about, you know, the, the college professor said, I guess you find a publisher. So how did the business side of things go? Like how did you, did you start with an agent? Did you try to go direct to a publisher? What was your process there? Um, I had no idea that like self-publishing was even a thing. Um, if I had known that it was a thing, I, I don't think I would have tried it because um, I'm kind of what you call um, lazy, <laughs> really lazy. And self-published writers are the most, I don't know. I don't know if they, you, you have to be a certain type of person to self-publish because you do every bit of the work yourself. You do all the writing, which is excruciating, the editing, the artwork, the marketing, all of that stuff. You, you are a superstar if you do self-publishing. I am not a superstar I'm that word lazy. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to do the traditional publishing, which I thought was the only path really at the time. Um, I found an agent on Twitter. Actually, I, after discovering that there is a huge community of writers on Twitter, like the uh, Twitter writing community itself, especially children's lit is really active on Twitter. And they're really, for the most part, helpful in trying to connect you know, aspiring authors to agents and websites that'll help them. So after I met some of them, um, a lot of them said, you know, check out this website here that kind of gives you an idea of what certain um, agents are looking for. And um, I found uh, several agents after I'd written this book who were looking for, you know, funny middle grade um, books that, you know, could kind of have a sporty theme, but it wasn't like, focused on sports completely. So I was like, right. Oh, that's kind of my book. It's funny. It's middle grade. <laughs> and there's this element of sports that kind of runs through it. So I subbed to them and actually ended up with three different author uh, offers and went with my current agent. Who's Uva Stender with Triata um, literary agency. And he has been phenomenal to work with. And after that, you know, querying the 
the uh, agents where you write a letter and say, here's my book, here's a you know, snippet of it, I hope you like it, and hopefully they'll request more. Basically what the agents do with the editors, they say, hey, I'm representing this book, here's a little bit about it, hope you want to read it, and you know, it's just letting them work their magic and kind of schmooze the editors and hopefully get a sale, and luckily Uva believed in my book and he sent it to the right editors and one of them bit and snagged it up. So that's the rest of history, I guess. So you mentioned that you, there were certain websites they said to go to, which, uh, did I cut out there? Uh, you did for a second, but it's, uh, I think it's coming back here. All right. Now you're frozen, but you look good at least. Oh, okay. All right. So anyway, so you'd mentioned that there are some, Okay. Yeah. No, you're, you're there. You're on. Um, oh, okay. So uh, what, um, what websites, you mentioned some websites are really helpful. What websites would you recommend to people? Um, the SCBWI website is great. Um, it, you know, it has different chapters that you can go to. It also has uh, different links on there where you could look at, you know, articles from editors, things that they're looking for, articles from agents that have, you know, been interviewed by a CBWI about things that they're looking for, things that, you know, they're seeing a lot of that they, you know, fear might be oversaturating the market a little bit. Um, but another really good um, website, it's called Manuscript Wishlist, and it's just MSWL. And I don't know if the website is MSWL.com or actually manuscriptwishlist.com, mm -hmm. but it's a great website that kind of compiles all of the things that editors and agents are looking for currently, and it gets constantly updated. And um, that one has, you know, some really good resources on there because if you do have a book and you think, I don't know if any agent or editor is going to even want to look at, you know, a book featuring a 35-year-old, you know, single father who is uh, prodigy trumpet player, but is also secretly a kickboxer. <laughs> this is why I don't write adult fiction. <laughs> but if you get on there and you, you know, you plug in those keywords, you know, you could probably find some agent out there going, man, I really want a, a book that has like a 35 year old protagonist who plays jazz, like soft jazz in the, in the nighttime and during the day, he's like a kickboxer. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? That sounds good to me. Uh, and you know, you probably will find an agent and then you can say, Hey, I saw on manuscript wish list. You were looking for this book. Well, lucky you, I've got it right here. <laughs> <laughs> now, now for the next question here, I know. So we're giving you some grace ahead of time in case you, you leave anybody out, but uh, who are the must follows on Twitter? Ooh, must follows on Twitter. Oh my gosh. There's, <laughs> there's so many. Um, I personally love following, uh, Chuck Wendig is so hilarious. Chuck Wendig is, you know, he's, he's been widely published and he has his own thoughts and opinions on the public publishing industry and he is very outspoken, but he's also hilarious. Uh -huh. Um, let's see. Um, Ann Ursu, and I don't know if you need to like edit this part. No, her, that's all right. Go for it. I think it's her name, Ann uh -huh. Ursu. I think that's how you say her last name. I'm not really sure. An amazing <laughs> author. 
And if I'm butchering her name, I apologize so much. But she's an amazing author, but she's also a huge advocate with, you know, just making sure that books that don't typically get the spotlight are getting the spotlight, especially with marginalized voices. You know, she's just a really good advocate. I love her to death. Um, let's see, Lindsay Eager, she's a really good one to follow. I'm going to also go with, uh, oh my gosh, I could probably just like name off for <laughs> the next hour and a half. Go to my Twitter, uh-huh. look at who I follow and follow every one of those people because they are brilliant. They are published or they are, you know, pre-published. They're aspiring authors, but I follow them for a reason. It's always because they're either super funny they're brilliant. They're great writers. They have so much to offer. They're generous. Jarrett Lerner is another one, middle grade author, who's just probably the most generous person on Twitter. He's just constantly like, oh, hey, I'm going to give away 3 million books. You want 3 million <laughs> books for you? Here's 3 million books for you. And in the meantime, I have 4,000 pages of free activities you can do at home. So Jarrett Lerner is amazing as well. But yeah, there are lots, lots of, and follow librarians too. Any library you see, any media specialist, any teacher you see on there, follow them because, you know, they're, they're your gatekeepers. They're the ones, especially if you're at Kidslet, Kidlet, um, they're the ones who say, you know, we need more books like this. I'm looking for books that, you know, have protagonists like this or deal with these kind of themes. Um, not to say you just want to jump on a theme or something because somebody said they want it, but, you know, you get an idea of what, you know, they're looking for based on what their students are requesting. So they're always good to follow. So speaking of teachers and students, you know, you're a yes. teacher and I know that you have some great resources, uh, you know, that, that come with your book that are made for teachers. And that's one of the things I've learned, you know, as I'm getting into this is that it, it is key, like you're saying, to have resources that help teachers get on board. What as a teacher and a writer, you know, what would you suggest a, uh, a newer writer do to make their books more, I guess, teacher friendly? Hmm. I think there's a, there's so many things you can do. Um, making yourself accessible in some way to where, you know, it's, it's really easy for teachers and librarians to contact you. I think it's really, really important. Um, I've gone to some authors' websites where there's no way to contact them. And, you know, I don't feel comfortable just messaging them on Twitter saying, hey, you're an author. <laughs> I have a question. But if they have just even a simple contact form, that's really good because, you know, when teachers and librarians reach out, they want, to know that the way or the method that they're reaching out is something that's, you know, kind of approved by you and having a contact forms, basically an invitation to say, yes, contact me. That's great. Um, you know, putting on there some of your own interests, I think is really good to make yourself seem, you know, not just, uh, you know, an author, but whatever online presence you have, make sure that people kind of see your personality as well. Because one thing I've, realized and noticed, and I've kind of already knew this being a teacher, experienced it at least, is, you know, kids connect you not because of the things that you know or the things that you can do. It's your personality. And, you know, as a teacher, I try my best to connect with my students on a personal level. And I never do that by saying, these are all the things I know, and these are all the things I'm going to teach you, (laughs) or these are all the things I've done in my life. You know, it's just me being me being silly and goofy and honest, especially honest, um, and letting them know that I'm human. And that's when they really connect with you. So for your website and whatever social media you use, you know, really make yourself 
seem like an actual person, not just I am a writer and that's all I am. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a writer. I drink tons of coffee. I eat way too much pizza. I love animals. Adventure time is my jam, obviously. Drawing, <laughs> weird hair, <laughs> you know. So that right there kind of helps people connect just to let them know that, you know, this person's, they're accessible. They're not like some weird ethereal being. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great advice. Uh, what advice would you give to uh, younger Brooks Benjamin, if you were to start this whole process over again of becoming a writer, what ad advice would you give to yourself at the start? What advice would I give myself? <clears throat> I would want to put my hands on my own shoulders like this and look myself square in the face and say, Brooks, you're going to go through so many rejections. But, but, but wait, 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 stop, stop. Stop. Shh. Shh. Brooks. <laughs> it's okay. Because every writer out there goes through so many rejections. It happens. It's okay. Look at me now. I'm sitting here wearing my seventh grade laughing tights tights with you know her favorite our favorite interviewer. It's okay. You're gonna make it through. So I think just letting myself know that rejections are inevitable. Um, because the first time I sent my work out, especially on this book, when I was so excited about it and I sent it out and I got that very first rejection, that was just like a form rejection that said, thanks, but no, basically <laughs> it broke my heart. I mean, I was crushed. I had no idea what to do. I thought, oh, okay, I have chosen poorly. I'm not a writer. Um, and of course, you know, I got tons of rejections, but it only, you heard, you've heard people say it only takes one. Yes. Totally true. You know, it only takes one yes, and I'm still learning how to deal with rejections. You know, every time if I do write something new and we send it to an editor and I get a rejection, my mind still screams way back here, you're not good enough. You'll never have anything else published, but that's not true. So I want to tell myself to just get ready, understand it's going to happen, but it's not always going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, last thing here, uh, people want to, uh, to follow you, connect with you. Uh, how are they able to, uh, to find you online through social media websites, that sort of thing? Um, my website is brooksbenjamin.com. So just my name, brooksbenjamin.com. I'm really active on Twitter, at brooksbenjamin. I'm not on Facebook anymore. I deleted that like a year or two ago. Oh, I feel so free. I recommend everyone do that. <laughs> Facebook was so just the people I was following. They were just so nasty and negative. It was really not healthy for me. So I deleted Facebook, uh, Instagram. It's the Brooks Benjamin. And the reason why is because there was already somebody who had the handle Brooks Benjamin. And like I, they don't post anything like they don't have any posts and it really bugs me that they're, they have that handle that I wanted so bad and they never use it. So I've messaged them a couple of times. Hey, could you like, let me have your handle? <laughs> it would just fit so perfectly. Um, but yeah, there, so. there's a Brian Lord in Australia like that. Is there really? Yeah. Yeah. I keep, he was, he and I were the first on everything in social media. So one or the other of us has everything Brian Lord on social media or online. And he beat me to the best one. <laughs> They're so fast. Kids I know. these days. 
Yeah. <laughs> There's like tons of Benjamin Brooks's. And I, I will say like, you know, I'm, I'm used to being called Benjamin uh-huh. because I understand Benjamin is, you know, oftentimes a first name, but it is my last name. Yeah. So a lot of people will look up Benjamin Brooks and there are some authors. There's an author out there who's Ben Brooks and he's got books published. That's not me. Yeah. <laughs> I love his books. He's got great books, but that's not me. I am Brooks Benjamin. I get tagged in his posts a lot and I don't know if he gets tagged in mine, but I just think it's really funny. And like, I'll be like, Oh yeah, that's a great book recommendation. By the way, it's not mine, but it's you should read it. Very good. So, All publicity is yeah. good publicity. Exactly. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. he, you know, directs them to me if he ever gets tagged as me. Yes. Ben Brooks, if you don't, you should. It's just the courteous thing to do. <laughs> I'm sure he's following yeah. right now. Uh, <laughs> well, Brooks, thank you so much. Oh, man, I, need to check my I know he could be on right now. Uh, well, Brooks, right. thank you so much or Ben or Benjamin, whatever you like. Uh, thank you for, uh, for coming on and being a part of the Kidlit studio podcast. For those who want to see more, uh, follow uh, this YouTube channel. We've got some uh, other great interviews on here and kidlitstudio.com and on uh, Apple podcasts and just about everywhere else. Just look for Kidlit studio. So Brooks, thanks again. And thanks everybody for watching. Thanks for listening to the Kidlit Studio Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and comment. It really does make a difference. Also, please share with any friends who are involved in KidLit. You can find out more at kidlitstudio.com or KidLit Studio on social media. I'm Brian Lord.